Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of using strategic supplementation with cheatgrass to reduce that as a potential fire hazard, especially as we think about moving through the rest of the summer on into the fall. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Mitch Stevenson, who's a range and forage specialist based at the Panhandle Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Good to be here. Well, Dr. Stevenson, we're looking at a situation where we had a really wet May and June. Uh, if you drive around the country, you see a lot of cheatgrass, and that's creating a scenario, especially as we move into the fall and move into more drier type conditions where the risk of fire on those scenarios is much greater. Uh, talk through with us some things in terms of how might we use some strategic supplementation uh, placement of supplementation to reduce fuel loads and think about ways to utilize this resource, cheatgrass. Yeah, you know, this this spring was just so wet and, uh, you know, just it was so dry in April. We were kind of concerned and then then got so much rain here in the panhandle. You know, even now, you know, over 20 inches in some areas, you know, in a in a 15 inch precipitation zone, we're not even we're not even through the year yet. So just we saw a tremendous amount of cheatgrass come in May and June there. And and looking at some of the records here at Scott's Bluff, you know, over the last uh, probably about 50 to 75 years, we've only had a handful of years where we got above seven inches of precipitation in May. And interestingly enough is three of those years have happened in the last eight years since 2015. So we've kind of seen these these uh, really wet springs followed uh, then by really dry years as well. And so that's kind of contributed to a lot of buildup of, of biomass vegetation, followed by really dry years that, uh, that tend to lend themselves to some of this risk of wildfire. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen that in some of the wildcat hills. Uh, especially last year, where we had some pretty extensive fires uh, that that started, and uh, through lightning strikes and and carried through uh, fairly sizable areas. And so, thinking about that, you know, what can we do to help minimize that? risk or reduce the amount of fuel load that's out there and grazing tends to be one of the one of the main uh things that we can really think about especially at strategic areas about reducing that carryover fine fuels and so i've been involved in a project that was just just recently published in a in an article this was based out of the great basin but the focus of that project was to look if we could use strategic supplementation to, to lure cattle or, or bring cattle into strategic areas and then move that supplement over a period of weeks to, to increase the utilization of on grasses, predominantly cheatgrass in this area. And so, so the way that, that that study worked is we set out supplementation centers, uh, and this was a fairly sizable pasture, several thousand acres. And and we were we were using a liquid based supplement protein supplement for cattle and and there were there were it varied by year but close to about eight hundred head of cows uh, within this study and just recently had their calves weaned and turned out onto this this uh, this pasture and so what we did is we started by placing the supplements uh, about a kilometer from water uh, half a mile ish uh, from water and then we would move it about that much farther every week to try to get these cattle to kind of focus in on this general area moving away from water. 
And uh, so we did that over, over four weeks. And at the conclusion of the study, we did that over several years. Uh, you know, we, we found that it was it was fairly successful in, in keeping cattle within this path because they would they would first go to the supplement and then they would kind of graze around that, those areas. Uh, then we would move those supplement stations farther and, and they'd kind of go back and forth between the supplement and water and then they would expand out to graze other places. And so so they, they ended up uh, really providing heavier utilization along this corridor. And we we calculated that up to be, on average, it was somewhere in the neighborhood about 66% uh, utilization, uh, really reducing the amount of cheatgrass carryover fuels that were there. And so, so in a in a situation like that, where there's really big pastures, or it's really rough topography, or there's just some strategic areas, Cheatgrass actually cures, and so once it once the the seeds fall, there there's a little less risk of those poking into the mouth of the cattle, and it's actually not a bad quality forage. It's it's of what's left, and you know in spite in places here in in uh, in the Panhandle this year, you know when we measured in in uh, in mid July, we took some samples of a number of different locations around the Scottsbluff Garing area here on some rangelands. You know, we saw some places that had had as much as uh, you know fifteen hundred to two thousand pounds per acre of biomass that was just attributed to cheatgrass. And so once that once the seed falls on that, cattle will graze it. You know, it can be supplemented, and uh, and and so you you kind of reduce or limit the amount of fuels that might be out there going into the following year to to help minimize the risk of fire. It's never zero, right? You know, there's always going to be something out there or wind speeds are really high. Um, you know, fires can start uh, if, if, if there's just if there's just a little bit too. But uh, but but grazing during the dormant season, I think, provides a good window of opportunity to one, utilize the previous year's biomass. And uh, two, it's it's less likely to come at a risk to some of the perennial grasses as well. They're dormant, most of them. Uh, you know, they don't want to graze graze them really hard. The, the the perennials, right? But you can take some of that biomass as long as you leave some good stubble height on there, ground cover, and litter. You could really reduce the total amount that's out there and still have a vibrant plant community going into the next spring. And so thinking through some of those things and, and how can we graze this fall and winter, especially at areas that, that might be strategic, you know, either uh, or risk or uh, of, of places where a fire might start or around structures or other things that that um, that you'd want to make sure that you you kind of limit that risk or that that amount of fine fuel that's around some of those areas. In the study that you were part of, Dr. Stevenson, you mentioned you used a liquid supplement and used that as your attractant and draw cattle to an area. There have been some other studies where they've used pressed blocks or molasses-based blocks and or tubs and then put those out. Uh, how might those work in this scenario as well? Yeah, I think, you know, I think in general, uh, most of the supplements uh, that are out there that require that animal to to basically hang around that area for an extended period of time. So so they have some sort of mechanism that keeps the cattle uh, from over consuming them. So like the the press block, oftentimes they have to they, it takes them a while to lick that or consume that. 
Uh, same with the molasses-based products and and the lick the lick rollers are are the same thing. They they all tend to work in that terms of increasing the amount of time the cattle are within a general area that they may not go to quite as much. And so uh, there's been quite a bit of work with uh, with yeah some of these these press protein supplements that could be up there uh, and and placed at these strategic areas as well. They tend to work a little bit better than uh, than some of like the other protein supplements like cake or other things like that, mainly just because it keeps the cattle attracted to going to that one spot for for it may be several days um, in, in that case. And so but but at, at any rate, what, whatever you're supplementing, I think you can use that as a tool uh, to to kind of expand that grazing maybe into places that they aren't getting to as much. Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today? Yeah, just just one more thing. It's uh, it, and 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 this is more just a, a kind of an update on some other research that's been done. Uh, again, more so in the in the Great Basin on this, but uh, but the use of virtual fencing uh, is coming on in um, and and now that it's starting to become more commercially available, uh, there they've been there's been some research looking at it as a tool uh, to 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 basically create fire breaks. So instead of a supplement, you're essentially having the the virtual fence collars on these animals and creating long strips uh, where they go back and forth to water and they graze within these relatively narrow corridors. Uh, you know, and I'm, by relatively, you know, they can be still fairly wide, but uh, depending on the number of animals. And a recent study was just released uh, that, that that looked at virtual fence as a tool that could be used for, for developing some of these have more heavily grazed corridors. And it worked fairly well. Uh, you know, they to, be, to start off, they had most of the cattle were pretty well trained. Uh, after about thirty days, um, the, some of the some of the cattle had had, uh, had pushed outside the virtual fence boundary, uh, so so it kind of lost a little bit of effectiveness as as it went along. But but overall, they 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 felt that it did a pretty good job of utilizing the grass and reducing that biomass there. And so, the virtual fence may not be something that that fits within a management system or is even available right now in a lot of places. But but you know there there could be some opportunities to think about using polywire wire or other fences or or even just using the pastures you have and managing them maybe a little bit differently in some areas during the winter time uh, to, to try to get that fuel load down. You're bringing that up, Mitch, makes me think about what we often see in, in Western Nebraska, Central Nebraska, people are putting up temporary electric fence around corn stalks to have winter grazing. This year, for many folks, they might have a pretty high fuel load of cheatgrass it could provide some winter grazing for folks and maybe just needing to think a little bit differently. We normally don't build temporary electric fence in a pasture, but maybe this year strategically building some temporary electric fence, as you said, around structures or uh, you know, maybe along highways or roads where there's a greater likelihood we could have a fire come off of that and uh, you know, get some of that knocked down, utilized with cattle could be a tool this year that maybe we don't often consider just because of the amount of volume that's out there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of places are probably going to have a little bit of excess uh, forage, and you know, and that if you could utilize that in a winter type grazing scenario, if if our weather cooperates, this going into the winter, that we can extend out some of that winter grazing. Yeah, I, I really think that that's 
that's a good opportunity to, to, to one, reduce that feed cost and, and to utilize some of this extra forage that we have. And so, you know, it, it, it's strategic is probably the term is that, that, that is, it is important. You know, it, it could be areas that you graze kind of heavy in some places, but, but maybe not as much in others. And, um, you know, it's, it's always important to leave, leave some of that stubble height of the grass there. But in, in areas that you're really trying to protect, you can probably graze it at a pretty heavy, uh, heavy rate. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, there's more resources on this topic.